Is it a disease? Nope, it's mind flayers. Oh, do we need poultices or like particular herbs? No, you need rings of mind shielding. That's what you need. You need spaceships and air support. Live from the Mundangerous Brine Pool in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Ishan. And welcome to episode 315 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about how to use mind flayers in your game. But first, the party walks in the woods in the Gates of Morning campaign. And later, the Cerulean sign keeps the Far Realm at bay in the Character Creation Forge. Well, this is a timely episode, Ishan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would like to say that I planned it that way. So let's just yeah, say that I did. We don't get any inside information. No, no. Just lucky, I guess. Uh, because this week, or I guess last week, <laughs> Wizards of the Coast actually announced that they are going to be releasing games and books for Spelljammer and Dragonlance. Uh, classic settings that have I don't know do they have big fan bases they definitely have fan bases who are vocal I think Dragonlance is a classic setting with a big fan base I think (laughs) Spelljammer is a niche setting with an internet meme I'm into it I mean you know Wizards actually was enough into the meme game to make an April Fool's joke about it sure I I, yeah it's fine I mean I'm I'm perfectly fine with Spelljammer coming back but I don't I think Spelljammer's uh, place in the zeitgeist is much greater than its place in gaming history <laughs> or certainly sales numbers. Oh, yeah. I think that was borne out by the fact that even diehard people who love Spelljammer saw the April Fool's joke and were like, how dare you do that to us? Because no one imagined <laughs> that a couple of weeks later it would actually be happening. Right, right. Um, so, you know, expect reviews of those books from us at some point. I, I don't, there's not a ton of information about what it's going to look like now. I think of the, the classic settings that haven't been released for fifth edition, these were probably two of the ones that seemed easiest to adapt slash have the least amount of stuff that you need to remove. I mean, it'll be interesting to see like how much intergalactic slaving is in Spelljammer this time around. That uh, is definitely a theme. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. right. I mean, if they're the Niyogi, then they're going to need a whole different shtick. But uh, apparently they're going to be GIF minis. So like we've been sitting on a how to play GIF episode as a joke for like four years. So I guess we could actually do it. Yeah, we'll do the how to how to play GIF episode uh, once we have, you know, a mini for it. That I think that's a good a good line in the sand. That's right. As soon as... Wizards of the Coast sends us the minis. We'll do an episode on it. Guaranteed. All right. Where are we in the Gates of Morning campaign? So the Gates of Morning campaign is our 5th edition D&D game set in Eberron, a sequel of sorts to the original Morning Glory campaign. And in Fairhaven, the peaceful capital of Ondair, the party is hunting down Cory Mineseeds. The party steps out of the blood-drenched hallway and into a sunlit glade. When they turn around, the door is gone. In the distance, two elves lounge on rocky outcroppings. The pair beckon the party to approach. Where are you? 
The party steps forward, but only a bit. The elves make no aggressive moves and continue with their friendly banter. They seem not to know or care that they're inside a secret facility. Suspecting a trap, Switch tries to throw a rock towards them, but it doesn't make it all the way, no matter how hard she tries. Convinced that they are being tricked, Zan charges the elves. As he closes the distance, a mental assault nearly drives him to his knees. But he shakes it off. In air elemental form, Warden flies in too. But his anger is cooled by some kind of magic when he nears the pair. Instead, the elves seem like good friends and worth protecting. Warden then takes a position near one of the elves, hoping to intercede between them and the party. Switch, Bramble, and Vesicod cross the distance while retaining control of their faculties, but Lenore falls under the same sway of the strange elves. Switch and Zan hack at the creatures, who recoil in pain, but they don't counter. Instead, the elves gently tap Warden and Lenore on the shoulder, and the two become fanatically loyal. The one order from the elves? Kill the party. Warden engulfs his former friends in a whirlwind, throwing them high into the air. Lenore ducks behind a boulder and fires arrows with deadly aim. Rather than respond to the attacks, the party doubles down on fighting the elves. Bramble paralyzes one, while Zan beats it to death with the butt of his glaive, freeing Lenore from its control. But Warden is commanded to shift out of elemental form and call down lightning upon the party, laying waste to his companions before his captor finally dies with Switch's rapier in his heart. With both elves dead, the glade disappears, revealing yet another room in the facility, and aberrant-infused humans like the ones they encountered in the hallway, who attack with their bare hands. Though tired from the illusionary battle, the party regroups and quickly puts them down. Among the corpses, they find two that look different. Aberrant parts seem to be growing out of the bodies rather than being grafted on. Switch prays for guidance from the Traveler, and together, she and Vesicot determine the two are chosen, vessels bred by the quarry to be easily possessed. The triage experiments seem to have infused them with chaos stuff from Zoriat, and their new abilities allowed them to create the Dream Space Glade, where they posed as elves. Down a set of stairs, the party finds the facility is mostly destroyed, its systems overloaded by a power surge they suspect was caused by their tinkering with the Hanbalan outside. Lights flicker intermittently, and the floors are slick with blood from a dozen dragon-marked halfling corpses. In a room at the end of a long hall, they find two glass globes full of blood, which they take with them. In another room, a crystalline archway sputters with its last bits of energy. After inserting the control crystals taken from the Hambalon, Switch determines it is a teleporter, and it has enough power to open a gateway to its most recent destination. Seeing no other path to follow, the party turns it on and jumps through. They appear at midday in a deciduous forest, in a circular canyon 100 feet deep. There's a constant breeze, though they don't understand where the wind could be coming from. Judging by the heat and the position of the Ring of Sybaris in the sky, Warden determines that they are thousands of miles from their previous location, likely far to the west in the Shadow Marches. Through the leaves, they spy another Hambalon, though this one is only partially constructed. Instead of the green crystal core within, they can see a column of dark stone interwoven with geometric lines of dull violet. The quarry have built a Hambalon, 
with one of the gates of Zoriad as its core. And we'll find out what happens next, next week. So this week, we are talking about using mind flares. We are continuing our series on using all different kinds of iconic monsters, both as a GM and as a player. Uh, mind flares, gross. Indeed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I bet I guess that's the point. So also known as elithids, they are maybe the f- the first creature in this series that is actually straight up a creation of Dungeons and Dragons dreamed up by Gary Gygax himself uh, in mm. pretty much their current form, honestly. 315 episodes. There's no way to possibly verify that. Mm, and no one ever could. So, you know, I wouldn't even try. Don't even try. In the intervening years since 1975, uh, when they first showed up, their popularity has spawned alternate histories for them. And and they have like nearly as many variations as elves, which is to say many, many, many. You've got your undead elithids, and you've got your elithiliches, and you've got your arcane elithids, and you've got your elder brain and your elder brain dragons that breathe ceramorphosis tadpole breath which is like so gross and so cool is this not like a lovecraftian monster on its core though like is this really that original (laughs) i mean it came out of gygax's brain so no it's not it's not that original i think it was (laughs) based on like a piece of art from a, a book no and like that's why in the years they've very cleanly been slotted into like the aberration pillar of monsters which really is just D's version of lovecraftian horror right yep now as aberrations mind flayers are visceral horrors right they're unnatural they don't belong in this world they're prone to prompting the squick factor from your players which can be good or bad depending um but they've got this cerebral veneer that makes them potentially more interesting adversaries than other creatures of like pure madness right like if you fight cthulhu that can be interesting but there isn't really a way to engage with like cthulhu's plots right like cthulhu doesn't care about you right well cthulhu doesn't plot <laughs> right exactly Cthulhu it just, just is is right cthulhu exists um mind flayers plot they they have like temporal desires that they're looking to fulfill and that also means you can potentially thwart them like you can beat mind flayers that's in some ways they're kind of like an asexual counterpart to vampires right like they're smart and they have to kill and feed on intelligent creatures but like i think it's a rare person who finds it sexy to have your brain eaten mm 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 maybe just Indeed. a little nibble little <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's definitely uh there's no allure to that it's just body horror and mad science yeah like they have this sort of like island of dr moreau flavor where they're like, okay, once they have you, they might just eat your brain, sure. Or like they'll eat your friend's brain, I guess. And then with you, they will experiment with all kinds of different sort of weird things to insert in your ear or mm-hmm. nose or whatever. And we'll just see like what you turn into. Right. And, you know, great. That's sort of how they make soldiers slash children. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, they're also ideal villains because they have no remorse, they plan meticulously, and they can never quite be completely stamped out. So you can never be 100% sure that it's over. I'm pretty sure we got them all. You know, I yeah. mean, my 
My ear itches a little bit, but I'm pretty sure we got them all. Yeah, same. I did, I, I'm fairly certain I don't have any brain worms. You ever ringing in your ears? Mm, all right. That's natural. So if you're going to use mind flares, the first thing you're going to want to do is figure out what kind you're going to have in your game. Define your lithids. And start off with your mythos. Uh, unlike a lot of the creatures that we talk about here, you don't really have real-world examples to draw from, but there are lots of different variations as they have appeared in games and in versions of D&D. The like very traditional fantasy Forgotten Realms version is they're creatures of the Underdark. They're slavers who trade in thralls. They lie in wait beneath the surface, and occasionally they strike communities in secret using their powers of the mind. And they're one of several Underdark power factions that all keep each other in check, right? They hate the drow, the drow hate them, they kill the drow, the drow kill them, but also sometimes they trade, and also sometimes they, like, team up and eat people. Right. Or team up and fight something more dangerous than them. Right. I mean, I guess I could see sexy drow vampire and asexual mind flare both being like well i mean you take the blood i'll take the brain right yeah the the buddy cop film of the century <laughs> right and then just random job being like i want the marrow and you're like <laughs> okay okay fine great whatever uh over in Spelljammer, increasingly relevant to the modern player a the illithids are a spacefaring empire that acts as trading intermediaries between other races they're business illithids the merchant uh, class sucking on your brain they're a little less like tentacle twirling evil than traditional mind flayers still evil like well, they'll yes. eat your brain you and know? also business right but also well actually maybe that makes them more evil exactly right there's nothing personal in this <laughs> uh, so they travel between uh, crystal spheres on nautiloid ships that as the name indicates look like big nautiluses and then other vessels shaped like random sea creatures, like this was an octopus ship and this is a squid ship. Yeah, I have the impression that uh, mind flayers in Spelljammer have a little bit more of a like nature as technology lean to them. Yeah, like like biotech. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I kind of like that take on them, right? Because it's like mind powers, right? Like they don't use magic per right. se like arcane magic it's always like things that come out of your body or brain so it like makes perfect sense to me that they would like grow a ship and then like fly it through space right <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the lords of madness version um which was uh like a really good 3.5 D, D book it was a 3.0 D, D book i actually don't remember uh that gave the mind flares this alternate history where they are refugees from the end of time and like the universe is ending and they were like well this sucks um which is also like why they have these like extremely advanced mind powers right they're sort of like the height of of humanoid evolution and so they decided to just like all pack up their entire civilization and travel back in time and then like start ruling the the universe <laughs> great you know before like everything sucked and you know it was all getting crunched again because mm -hmm. that's how the universe ends a big crunch yep as everyone knows uh and that's a that is a history that can be used with pretty much any other version of the mind flayers if you want like when i use mind flayers they're refugees from the end of time like why not sure uh let's talk a little bit about mind flayer motivations 
So the most obvious one, of course, is they need to feed. Uh, they eat brains. They devour your intellect. Uh, if they don't have it available to them, they go hungry. So they've, they've got to keep a steady supply. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you want to do your sort of like scavenger mind flayer, like one step above zombie, just got here from the end of time and like haven't had a chance to like build our resources kind of thing, then like that work, works really well. Mind flayers who are like struggling to find enough brains. Mm -hmm. um, they also might want to be building an empire. Uh, a, a pretty common theme with mind flayers is like they figure out a way to insert themselves into local economies for some reason. I mean, I guess Intelligence 19, they're like, why not? Like, what's, what's the easiest way to make sure that we have a steady supply of brains is to buy brains, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this makes them easier to interact with in a way that doesn't necessarily mean having your brain eaten or needing to stab them right away anyway. If they have something that you might need, if you have something that they might need. Uh, some mind flayers want to like create some version of a god or they may not may not call it a god or whatever, but like, you know, most mind flayer communities are like feeding memories into an elder brain. And then eventually mm -hmm. it sort of hits this critical mass where like it becomes a god brain and, you know, all bets are off at that point. So that seems like a likely time that PCs need to get called in or like maybe right before that is when PCs need to get called in. Uh, and then if you're using refuges from the end of time, it's very likely that you're going to have mind flayers who are like trying to solve some sort of existential challenge about like, you know, their, their genetic code is falling apart because they're like completely inbred or, or, you know, seromorphous isn't working anymore, or, you know, they're trying to merge every single elder brain into a single God brain or whatever, you know, like they're weird and they're from the far realm. So like anything goes really, right. it doesn't need to make sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they could be coming back in time, of course, to uh, solve the reason for the demise, but it could also just be solving for their own inconvenience now that they're here, right? Like, yeah, just they're the just more people here. Right. right. Yeah. We ate everybody, so we came back to before we ate them all. Uh, or maybe they're here to make sure that their parents get together. Or maybe that's what broke their brains. Maybe Ooh. that's why they're so twisted. Because mm -hmm. their parents never got together and they slowly faded from time. And what happens? Mind flares. All right, let's talk a bit about world building and like, like where do mind flares fit in your setting? Because like, like you said, Shane, they're very Lovecraftian, which is not traditional fantasy, but also like they've been around during pretty much the entire run of, of D&D. I mean, the entire run of D&D, &D, right? Mm -hmm. One year where there were no mind flares. Um, it's kind of like people who are like, I don't know about how psionics fits into my D and D it's always, it's always been there. And like, people have always just sort of like stuck it in there. And like traditional fantasy is brought on crystals. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I'll just let that one lie. Yeah. Um, the, the answer is most people stick them underground. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that's, that is a fair challenge, right? Is like they're ultra intelligent. Why aren't they successful? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you can lean on the tropes of, the, well, they have their own competing factions, right? So it's not a matter of can the Mind Flayers win. It's a matter of the Mind Flayers fighting each other over who gets to win amongst them. They're Apex Predators, right? Like, they're smart enough, or maybe they're just like, we need to keep our numbers low because there just won't be enough food for all of us. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, nobody likes mind flayers, right? Like, they don't really have, I mean, they have tenuous allies, right? They're smart enough to be able to broker those pieces. But the drow, if the drow could wipe out the mind flayers, they would. If the Dwergar could, they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, like, the gith. <laughs> Who are just like, if I see you, I will murder you. Yep. Uh, and and are like, you know, sending roving bands from like the astral plane to like find them and 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 squish them. And like, let's be honest, mind flares are pretty squishy. You know, like they're they're not yeah. hardy. They have a weak constitution. It's yeah. it's something about having a you know a big brain and not a big skull. <laughs> um. So like, there there are a lot of things that keep them in check, which like you know is for the most part pretty good for the for your setting right because if there weren't then you wouldn't have much of a world to build it would just be mind flare city which actually i believe mind flare planet which i do i do believe actually exists in Spelljammer. <laughs> great can't wait to read about that it's gonna be great with astro mundi anyway i don't know at us then uh, there's another another question you should ask is who knows about mind flares right these are an existential horror they are a a like terror from the darkest night if people knew they were real (laughs) they probably (laughs) wouldn't get along so well right we're like oh the silver flame found out about six werewolves and like killed eight hundred thousand shifters over 150 years right like if they knew about mind flares yeah exactly what would they do um so usually, and I think, you know, this is another reason that maybe mind flayers aren't trying to take over your entire setting is like, they know this is the case. And so they're, they're mostly lying low and working on whatever weird secret scheme they have. So like their adversaries probably know about them, right? The other underdark denizens, if that's where they live or the, you know, other spacefaring societies, if that's where they're from. Um, and like maybe illicit hunters know where where to find them, but like it's mostly the nearby communities who occasionally get terrorized by them or who are raided for brains on occasion and may not even know that that's what's happening to them. It just might be, you know, settlements or communities that just seem super unlucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, thralls and former thralls certainly would know about them, but like most of them have lots of trauma or even just straight up broken brains that don't work anymore and so who's going to believe them or can they even convey like what they've been through or like how to get to the mind flayer settlement right uh as you mentioned they're the gith so um you know other uh races that have a sort of penchant for hunting mind flayers obviously they need to know about them but you know there's also a fair argument that gith want to keep the secret right like they don't want to risk mind flayers uh gaining more uh like more open and transparent power yeah i think that's a good point like you don't want if you hate mind flayers you don't want the mind flayers to feel like they got nothing to lose yeah you want them to play scared right right to continue to bide their time as you pick them off little by little because like if you're a Gith Yankee, you have literally all the time in the world. Right. So this may not be the first thing you think of when you're thinking about mind flayers, but they can make really good NPCs who don't get slaughtered immediately or, you know, slaughter your party immediately. Mm-hmm. 
Now, remember, when you're introducing them and they're confronting your party, they always view humanoids as lesser creatures and, and like eventual food, right? Like, no matter what the Mind Flayer is trying to get out of the party, whether they're a patron, whether they're a trader or whatever, they're always thinking, eventually, eventually, I'm going to eat you. But in the meantime, you can probably be useful so I can, I don't know, eat other brains. Bring me brains. Oh, man. This has a like a, a scorpion and frog type. <laughs> <laughs> Why but did my... you eat my brain? I'm a mind flayer. How did you not see this coming? But mind flayer, I'm piloting our, our space Nautilus. <laughs> I'm it a is... mind flayer. <laughs> it is my nature. <laughs> so they've got schemes within schemes, I guess, until they get really hungry. I don't know. Um, actually, I do like that idea that you have this extremely intelligent mind flare, but like once they get to the point of starvation, then then and only then do you get the um the like animal nature finally mm-hmm. coming out. Right. Um but the thing the thing about all their schemes with mind flares is like there are only really like a handful of ultimate end goals that they might have. And we talked about them before with the motivations. But like they're so alien and so like non human that an individual mind flare is not really an individual, right? They're all like pretty similar. And like your your cadre of mind flayers either going to be like trying to get more thralls or trying to broker deals or trying to eat more brains or trying to like feed memories into the brine pool for the elder or whatever, right? But it's like, that's basically the list. They, they never want to like set up shop, <laughs> you know? Like there's no hopes and dreams that mind flayers have. They don't have the the kind of like, typical motivations that you might get from other kinds of like humanoid villains which which does mean that there's a there's a narrow range of activity that you can use them for but that also keeps your story very focused and they can show up anywhere right like whatever plot hook is in your game the the answer, like the reason for this challenge or this problem existing can always, always be mind flayers are doing it because like they can literally control people's minds. Right. Yep. They are a good, well, I don't have a strong, uh, a strong inclination as to why this is happening. Here is a good Swiss army knife villain to take over whatever plot you've stumbled upon. Right. And like, if it's a coup, that's fine. Why might mind flayers be trying to foment a coup? They're weird designs, right? Brains right. <laughs> brains to feed to the brine pool, whatever, right? right. Uh, we can take over this place from the inside and make it the new head of our slaving empire, whatever. Right. So with an NPC mind flayer, particularly like one mind flayer that they might be interacting with, think about how are the party and the illithid useful to each other? What is it that they're each getting out of this interaction? And always remember that the Mind Flayer has ulterior motives. The party should know the Mind Flayer has ulterior motives. Part of the like fun of interacting with a Mind Flayer at the table is always wondering with every single interaction, if I get within 60 feet of them, is this the time they mind blast me and eat my brain? <laughs> <laughs> and if not, why not? <laughs> And then, you know, the party has to ask themselves, well, you know, 
how far are we willing to go with this creature? This, you know, aberrant monstrosity. <laughs> this uh, incalculable, incalculable evil. Right, because like, okay, the Mind Flayer is helping you, so it's obviously getting something out of it. Even if the Mind Flayer isn't saying, bring me brains. I mean, it might. It might actually say like, bring me brains, right? And then, you know, you, I mean, you're basically dealing with an evil party if you're bringing a Mind Flayer brains for whatever right. reason. <laughs> But even if the Mind Flayer doesn't say that, that's what the Mind Flayer is getting out of this, right? Ultimately, it's getting the brains of intelligent people. Right. <laughs> because that's the only thing it ultimately wants. So, like, you really need to be, like, you really need to believe that you're doing a bunch of good in order to, like, parlay with a Mind Flayer. Yep. That's just the kind of hubris that player characters bring to the table. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we're saving the whole world. And then anytime you've got an aberration, something that is unnatural, something that like the, the reality sort of recoils from, you should be thinking about what it feels like to be in its presence. You know, I think we, we joke a lot about like, oh, it's a, it's a gross octopus, right? It's like rubbery and, and smelly or whatever. And like, maybe it is those things, maybe. Um, but like, really think about what does it look like up close? What does it? smell like like does it make mucus it's just it, damp i w i would think clammy i get i get a lot of clammy right it's, it's a is it always dripping saliva or do i have a delicious looking brain <laughs> um Gross. and then what goes through the party's mind literally like what what are the thoughts that come unbidden floating to the surface because of this mind flare? And is it because they're just in its presence or is it something that the mind flare is intentionally invoking in them? Right. And then remember that every mind flare, because of seromorphosis, used to be a person, like a person with like hopes and dreams and parents and, and all of that, right? Because in order to become a mind flare, you need to have one of their tadpoles inserted into your brain and it eats your brain and then you turn into a mind flare um some mind flares retain the manner some of the mannerisms of their previous host body right like this is a body that is stolen from someone right yep but sometimes the body has memories which mind flares find pretty gross but you know a perceptive pc might notice them yeah and it might might maintain like mannerisms or ticks, right um especially if this is somebody that the characters knew previously yeah that i like um, that a lot you know it, it but it's twisted right it's not it's not correct it it feels wrong yeah and maybe i mean maybe that's how the party discovers that their friend has been turned into a mind flare mm -hmm. all right so if you're going to use mind flares you've got quite a few different options here are probably the most common and easiest ones the first is enslaver now, I will say right off the bat, it is actually easy enough to drop this whole aspect of Mind Flayer Society from your game. If this is not something you want to touch on, you don't need to. They can just be eating people's brains without, like, breeding and owning people to eat their brains. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, they can, they can just be scavengers or hunters, and that's not a problem. But I think if you're going to... If you, your group is okay with using the concept of enslavement in your game, Mind Flayers might be the one of the best options. 
because I think the thing you run into is it's often like the quote unquote savage races who like keep slaves. Like, I mean, you know, Eberron is guilty of this. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's hobgoblins and goblins and orcs and, and like all the baggage that come with those races. And they're the ones who are like enslaving other intelligent humanoids. And like, even if you're playing a party that is like freeing all of these people as often as you can, then you run into all these situations where it's like, okay, are we destroying all of goblin society because they have slaves? I mean, maybe, but then you've got stories about like, what what about, it's basically like, what about the goblin children, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need to worry about it with mind flayers. Like, kill all the mind flayers. Who cares, right? Like, (laughs) free the thralls, you know, break the shackles on their minds, uh, drain the brine pool and like, smash the gray matter of the elder brain on the walls right yeah really good guys and, and that's because like they they don't have free will anymore right like a mind flayer is basically like uh in it in itself like enslaved to the madness of its like need to control and eat mm-hmm. right so they're always going to be evil there's no redemption like just because they have a style to their evil that makes them more like approachable than um you know other aberrations doesn't you like you don't have to worry about it that's the, they're a nice foil in that sense yeah i mean they got they got cool high collars <laughs> yeah exactly and and maybe a monocle <laughs> right <laughs> but you know yeah chop off their heads and mount them on walls and like no biggie right uh, with this kind of mind flayer society, you also get, you know, the fact that they're usually willing to experiment on their thralls. Those experiments usually have terrible consequences for the thralls. Those are, you know, themes that you can explore, but also you, like you mentioned before, you can get into the mad science aspect where there are all kinds of like mind flayers gone wrong that you're now dealing with. Um, yeah. And, and if you want to do a lot of homebrew, this is a great excuse for you know, taking a stat block and then making it weirder, right? Oh, well, Mind Flayers did it. Yeah, I stuck a tadpole in a centaur, and here's what we got. <laughs> well, that's a little bit, you know. I was thinking more like stick a tadpole in a uh, a boulette. Oh, I don't hate that at all. I mean, you know, once it bursts out of the ground with its four-pronged mouth, I will hate it, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say that now right oh also it also it mind blasts you from under the (laughs) ground (laughs) uh you can also treat mind flares as something of a plague um telepathy and mind control can cause all types of problems all sorts of maladies and strange behaviors um it can be bizarre and unexplainable early on um and and the kind of thing that like no one can explain what's going on well you know is it a disease nope it's mind flares it's a sharp turn to spring on your party who is like trying to figure out how to cure a disease (laughs) and it's like oh do we need poultices or like particular herbs uh no you need rings of mind shielding that's what you need you need spaceships (laughs) and air support They'll probably need to figure out pretty quickly that it's not a disease that they're dealing with, but yeah. uh, it's still going to have kind of a similar sort of uh, like pattern of growth and like infection. 
to right. a disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also sort of go like literal plague if you've got illithids who are looking to procreate and increase their numbers. Because in order to do that, they have to kill, right? They take a sentient humanoid and stick a tadpole in their ear, mm-hmm. which is like a very slow-moving zombie outbreak if the zombies were hyper-intelligent and knew what they were doing and plotted very carefully and made sure that they weren't discovered. Oh, so I am legend? Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, uh, the party well, is, are the bad guys. Uh, well, I mean, no, people you're right. like People like being mind flayers, you know? Now suddenly my intelligence is 19. It's like a free headband of intellect. <laughs> That's, uh, how much those mind flayers paying you to say that? <laughs> Nothing. No, I mean, not money. <laughs> um, of course, then mind flayers can also be the unknowable horror. Right. The reasons that they're doing it are their own, but they are here. Uh, they are doing terrible things to people and they are not going to be stopped. Yeah, I think this is. It, it's a, a good and terrifying prospect when the mind flayers decide to act like they have intelligence 19 and act like they've got a goal that needs to happen right now. Mm-hmm. You know, because when they actually marshal all their forces, when they are played very intelligently with like a game plan, they are extremely hard to beat. Right. Which means this is a good opportunity for the party to marshal allies against the mind flayers. And the fun part is marshaling unsavory allies, right? People you would not usually work with but who hate mind flayers just a tiny bit more than they hate you yeah this is a great um it's a great like second arc you know mid-level kind of problem to be troubleshooting right because Mm -hmm. you've established the characters that you hate you have your rivals or your big bads but now you introduce somebody who's a threat to both of you and now you have to work with them and it humanizes your big bad in a way that you know probably don't get when they're just sitting in a dungeon waiting for all comers to kill yeah, and like, you know, the stock baseline mind flare laddering up to the elder brain is like perfectly situated in the challenge rating spectrum for this mid-level arc. Right. Um, And, you know, it's a great opportunity to be like, do you know what we really need right now? Get the Yankee Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> Have we, we ever go thought find some Yankee pirates? We gotta, yeah, we got some. We yeah. gotta go find some. <laughs> have we have we ever thought that would be a good idea before? No, no. <laughs> and let's Listen, hope we never will again. The best way to put out this fire is to burn down the house around it. Okay, because then the fire has no fuel and it has to go out. You know, fortunately, they ride red dragons, so I think they can help us with that. Oh, oh, they want to put a fire break in our population. Yeah, mm. yeah, 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 unfortunate. Well, I mean, they're not wrong. All right, let's talk about how these uh, octopus, brainiacs, squid folk, uh, how they approach combat. See, here's the, look, the great thing about mind flayers, none of those are racial slurs. doesn't matter. <laughs> You just said terrible things about mind flayers. That's fine. I do hate them. Yep. Yep. You should. So mind flayers only fight when they know that they will win. Now, sometimes they're wrong, right? Because they definitely sometimes lose. Right. But like a mind flayer's got to believe 
that it's going to win before it engages. Because otherwise, like, I mean, if we're talking if we're talking five e d and d, they can cast um, a plane shift on themselves. So mm-hmm. like, they'll just leave. So, bye, I guess. Right, and then like tomorrow they'll come back and you know start continue with the plotting. Right. Right. So every maneuver that they make until they know that they are going to win is made so that they will put themselves in a better position so that they can win, right? Or to make sure that they can withdraw without consequence. Right. Then mind flayers also rely on their mental prowess to cow humanoids into doing what they want. It's pretty rare that creatures can resist them at all, so they tend to figure they can turn any threat into an into their own ally uh, unwillingly but they also know that their biggest threat is simply being overwhelmed right mind flayers don't have great numbers even with all of their thrall you know they can't muster a real army and their powers are limited so they can be overwhelmed yeah like you get three common archers and a mind flare out in the open and like the mind flare is probably done for you know so well, plane shift, I mean. Right, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but on their home turf, remember that they're all connected telepathically through the elder brain. So the individual mind flayer that you may have been interacting with who has like, you know, some quirks and a personality or like, you know, you have shared history with is subsumed into this extremely efficient cadre of powerful psionicists who all act as a single unit seeing through each other's eyes at at the same time and like knowing each other's thoughts right they are essentially a hand of the elder brain so like fighting them all at once in their stronghold is extremely difficult Mm -hmm. which of course is exactly where they (laughs) want to fight you Exactly. Well, I imagine they probably want to fight you far away from their stronghold. But if they have to fight you near their stronghold, it might as well be in there. That way you're closer to the brine pools. That's true. Like, it's probably the, the middle distance, right? Like, whatever the, whatever the limit of the telepathy of the elder brain, right, in order to coordinate them all, that's where they want to fight you. Want <laughs> <laughs> to be on the fringes of the hive mind. And of course, they will always sacrifice thralls in order to save themselves. They have absolutely no compunction about that. They think nothing of killing innocents. Remember, killing innocents is exactly the same as eating. They got it. They got to do it pretty often, uh, and it doesn't bother them. In terms of their weaknesses, obviously, they are physically weak, right? They're brainiacs. Uh, they don't have any resistances to speak of, so. They can, again, just be simply physically overwhelmed. Uh, And of course, they've got big brains. That means they also have big egos. So their hubris is often their undoing. Mm -hmm. Underestimating the thralls, underestimating the humanoids that they know that they are better than or more evolved than or whatever. That's usually probably the way that you're going to ambush them or outwit them. In terms of tactics, uh, Mind Flayers... Mind flares just start blasting. Mind right? blasting. Yeah, just like, like why wouldn't you? It's a psionic wave. I usually just say it goes through obstacles. Um, 
Mind Flayers also prefer to fight from the shadows. Um, they have uh, <laughs> they have psionics on their side. They don't necessarily need to see in order to feel you out, right? Like they can use telepathy. Yeah, and like elder brains know the positions of like intelligent minds. Um, but they also have dark vision, right? So like literally they fight from the shadows. That's why they got those high collars and, you know, dark robes. Uh, mind flayers infiltrate and they incept. They will make you doubt your own judgment. They will make you think that you are insane. They will make you think that your allies and your friends are turning against you. And it's tough to parse because your allies and friends may be turning against you because they've been dominated by a mind flayer. Or have had their brain eaten by a mind flayer tadpole, and it's still that week before they actually turn into a mind flayer. Or they've just turned your friend into a thrall to do their dirty work, and you can't tell. Uh, they could also unleash some of their horrors uh, that they've created through experimentation upon you. So, you know, before you have before you can deal with the mind flare, you have to deal with all the abominations that it has created. And I think this is a nice opportunity to sort of unveil the th the th creature that you have dropped clues about previously that like doesn't make any sense even to your players who have read and memorized the monster manual they're just like that doesn't fit with anything that i know about what are you talking about oh it's because it's a weird creepy mind flayer hybrid that i made up out of centaurs and of course one of their main tactics is just run away if they're not going to win they should leave unless of course and this this is where like you know hubris comes into play or like it's it is it is good to give like these hyper intelligent adversaries um, something other than logic to go off. And that, of course, is hunger. Mm -hmm. Like, even if they're not starving, I could definitely see that, like, if you charge the mind flayer and it gets a whiff of your brain, maybe what it really wants to do now is grapple and extract. Yeah. Though. So this is an, a good time for the usual caveat, right? <laughs> the best tactics for a good fight in the game may be different from the best tactics for a mind flayer themselves. <laughs> so always think about what is the purpose of this battle in the game? What's the purpose of the battle from the Illithid's perspective, right? And try to balance those two things so you produce a fun fight that makes sense as opposed to a... Uh, a, a quick, uh, well, literal brain dump of one of your PCs. <laughs> and now, congratulations, the fight's no longer fun. You've killed a PC at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, the best tactic for mind flayers is, like, get four of them, and they all set off mind blasts at the same time, and everyone in the party has to save against four mind blasts, and, like, everyone's going to fail at some point, and now they're all stunned for a minute and dead. Right. So, like, you know, don't do that. Right, yeah. You, you need to find a a way to uh, introduce more varied tactics than that. So if you're a PC and you want to interact with Mind Flayers, there are a lot of different things that you can do. Um, one of the stock, not stock, I guess, one of the um, backgrounds available to Aberrant Mind Sorcerers as a suggestion is that you were infected with a tadpole and the Ceramorphosis just didn't quite take. So like you're a you're a survivor and now you have mind powers. But it also could be you can have 
a PC infected with a tadpole. You've only got about 30 minutes to get it out of you before it eats your brain. Oh, or begins eating your brain, I guess. I think you're not dead dead until like about a week. But after that 30 minutes, you basically need a wish in order to keep from turning into a mind flayer. But, you know, that's actually not a bad clock to put on the table. Hey, you got a week to find a wish. Uh, but probably the most fun thing to do as a PC is to style yourself as an illithid hunter. Yes. Uh, where, the, where the tentacles of, of your... Uh of your fallen prey around your neck. <laughs> do they have teeth? I think they do, right? Like sort of like the, the sort of like fang teeth that octopuses do. I assume so. Yeah. I mean, that's what they used to drill into your skull, right? They I, must. Would wear, I would wear a necklace of those. Those are cool. Mm. Uh, and I think traditionally like different societies and cultures have different traditions of mind flare killing. But that's a thing you can definitely lean into for, you know, backstory effects like, you know, dwarves call themselves, I think, forget, different different things than like gith hunters do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's like, uh, it, like Eberron has the like dwarves who guard against uh, the Far Realm, uh, yeah. Against the Far Realm, right? Like they mm -hmm. have a whole kind of like subculture around that. So like you could easily be a specialist even within that, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, I am focused on mind flayers because they require a keen eye and an even keener mind. And also I have, you know, an iron constitution and a strong stomach, and you do need that. It does help. Yeah. In terms of magic and magic items, uh, obviously anything that gives you psychic resistance to psychic damage or immunity, uh, anything that lets you cast the mind blank spell is going to be... Extremely key. Uh, immunity to telepathy or to uh, abilities that read your thoughts would also be great. And then lots of games have items that specifically hurt psionic creatures. Mm -hmm. um, and since mind flayers are pretty much all psionic, um, even if you are also psionic, it'll probably hurt them more than it hurts you. Yes, that's my approach to lead helmets. <laughs> that's why I, I take lead pills yes that's so why i eat lead paint chips that's right so vampires won't want to eat me right because it can't be good for them perfect <laughs> mind flares are classic for a reason right like people know enough about them and even if you have someone who isn't a longtime rpg player and doesn't specifically know about mind flares as soon as you describe what one looks like people get where you're coming from mm-hmm Right, and they they may not know what they're capable of, but like the first time you see uh, the tentacles latch onto a a human head, and then it scoops the brain out, you know, probably an NPC. Like, don't murder your new player right off the bat, and that's how they, they their first encounter with mind flares. Um, the the stakes become very real. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't really get much higher than that. Uh, in in like the the personal visceral level of RPGs, right? Yes, exactly. Like they they stay very personal, but they are extremely highly personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like in order to do their worst to you, they need to get up close to you, which mm. is where they don't want to be. But also, you really don't want them to be. Uh yes, I like to keep my mind flares at <laughs> least one hundred and twenty feet away. <laughs> 
your mind flare is close, but no, no, don't, nope. don't do that. Don't do that. All right. Do you hear that, Ishan? Um, it's only in my head, but oh, it's still oh, real. Oh. Okay. It's only in your head, then no, no need to, uh, yeah, no need to dwell on it. Uh, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. So this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building the Cerulean Sign. Ishan, what is a Cerulean Sign? Well, in previous editions of D&D, the keepers of the Cerulean Sign were an order of knights, knights, I think, um, pledged to keep denizens of the Far Realm from encroaching on the material plane. Basically, they're aberration hunters. Um Originally, I was going to go with like an elithid hunter, but you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be too niche, right? And like also mind flares work with a lot of other aberrations. So you like, you got to watch out for it. You don't want to be like, oh, I'm super prepped to fight this mind flare. And then like out comes an abolith and like you're dead. So what's the build? It is Battlesmith Artificer 7, Oath of Devotion Paladin 10, Gloomstalker Ranger 3. So something that we should talk about here is when you're playing a build like this, find out from your GM if you're using psionic magic transparency, which means that psionic and magics interact with each other normally. And that's the default assumption for 5e D&D. Um, if you look at, for example, the Mind Flayer's Mind Blast ability, it's like it's a psionic blast, right? But it says it creates it magically. Mm -hmm. So if you have like... Um, you know, advantage on saves against magic, then that kicks in, right? So all of these ab abilities, lots of times a thing will be, be quote-unquote because of psionics, but the mechanics are still magical. So talk talk to your GM to make sure that, like, that is the case because um, that's usually just sort of easier with this. If that's not the case, then you basically need to ask for all kinds of, like, homebrew stuff that will work against psionics. Or they'll just be like, hey, there's a psionic version of that, just that's the one you have. Right. So for race, we're going to go with Deep Gnome, Sverf Nebelin. Okay. Uh, we'll take plus two intelligence, plus one dexterity. You get 120 feet of dark vision, which is great for a PC and exactly the same as Mind Flayers. And you get advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws against magic, which includes the Mind Blast. Plus also uh, the Dominate monster that they can cast as well. Uh, and then you'll also get non-detection on yourself at will with Sverf Neblin magic. Yeah, that's a feat from somewhere. Non-detection doesn't technically say that, like, they can't detect you psionically from because you have an intelligence above four or whatever. But it seems extremely reasonable to me that that's what it would do because there's nothing else in the game that would actually do that. Right. right? So non-detection seems to be, like, the, the best option for that. Yeah. For race, you could also go Kalishtar from Eberron, which gives you psychic resistance to psychic damage. That's great. Or Emerald Gem Dragonborn, which does the same thing. So like as noted, it is not hard to kill Mind Flayers. We don't need to worry about being able to kill them. Anyone can kill them. You need to shore up your defenses so that you can kill them. 
So we kick it off with Artificer 7. You get in, you get intelligence and constitution saving throws. These are the most important saving throws that you need to fight against mind flares and most aberrations. Like most aberrations either like hit your intelligence to like deal psychic damage or they hit your constitution to do some sort of like disease or poison or something. Like aboliths, those are constitution saves to like turn you into a, a mucus covered thrall. Right. You get second level spells. Guidance is great. Resistance in a pinch if you know that you're about to get hit with something. Heroism is a first level spell that makes you immune to the frightened condition. Shield means that mind flayers or other creatures can't initially latch onto you in the first place to grapple you. And then there's uh, an interesting spell called Vortex Warp, uh, which lets you teleport other creatures if they fail a save. You can teleport willing creatures, but also if you do get grappled by something and it's trying to eat your brain, just send them away from you. Get them, mm -hmm. get them out of here. Uh, you'll have six known infusions. You'll take enhanced defense for some AC, repulsion shield, and resistant armor. And of course, for resistance, you you pick psychic damage. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a battlesmith, you'll be able to attack with intelligence uh, for your melee weapons. You'll get a steel defender. Uh, which is great because it is a construct and therefore has no brain to eat and is immune to the charmed and frightened conditions. Correct. So it will stand between you and aberrations and mind flayers and what what have you and murder them instead of you. Right. Um, you get extra attack, tool expertise, and then flash of genius is really sort of the capstone you're here for. Intelligence modifier times per day, you can give yourself plus intelligence modifier... <laughs> to a saving throw and some other things. But the important thing is a saving throw because like if you need an additional plus four or five to that intelligence or wisdom saving throw, you get it. And like that basically means you're going to succeed. Right. Then from three levels of Gloomstalker Ranger, we'll get the canny ability. So that's expertise in probably stealth. It really depends on where you are fighting your mind flares. If they're underdark flavor mind flares, stealth. If they're flying through space flavor mind flayers, then like maybe Arcana. Sure. And you'll already have tool expertise in like whatever vehicle thing you need in order to fly a Nautilus. Um, you'll get a favorite enemy, which will obviously be Illithids. Obviously, or, yes. You get a fighting style. Blind fight is potentially good. Um, or defense, just because if they can't hit you, they can't eat you. You get primeval awareness, so you can detect the presence of uh, of aberrations within a mile of yourself. Although it just tells you that they are there, not where they are or how many. Right. <laughs> so it's just, oh, I'm on the Nautilus. Yep, yep, there are, mine. <laughs> there are aberrations here. Yep. And then third level of Gloomstalker gets you uh, your wisdom to your initiative, and then you'll also get a damage boost. And... It'll increase your dark vision by 30 feet, which means you have better dark vision than the mind flayers. So you can see them before they can see you. So you can set up your ambush. And of course, you are invisible to their dark vision. So you can sneak up on them and just garrot them and not even worry about their dumb mind powers. Right. <laughs> if your head's not attached to your body. Uh, and then 10 levels of paladin, we get smites we are also here for divine health because so many weird creepy things that aberrations do are diseases i believe the slod tadpole that they stick into you is a disease or can be removed by something that cures a magical mm. disease paladins are just straight up immune 
Yep. Nice. Uh, Aboliths, I believe, is the same way. And then you get the spell protection from good and evil, which prevents possession, which is great. But it also um, gives aberrations and a bunch of other creatures disadvantage to attack you, which means it's much harder to hit, to hit you in general and to even attempt to, you know, infect you with slot tables or what have you. Uh, then you'll get your auras, which will give you your charisma modifier as a bonus to your saves, as well as immunity to charm and fear effects. And which then, include those uh, dominate spells that aberrations are so fond of. And then in a pinch, you'll have dispel magic in your back pocket uh, to get rid of those pesky uh, psychic effects. All right, before we wrap up, let's take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. And supporters at any level get access to our Plot Hook of the Week bonus content. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. You can also support the show by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or uh, wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Uh, Helps other people find us, helps the show grow, uh, makes things a little better for everybody. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are talking about using control effects. And in the character creation forge? It is the first week of anime. And so we are building Aaron Yeager. Well, that's it for episode 315 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name. But either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.